President Bush says the troops will return from Iraq based on their success. We'll analyze and debate his plan today. And with Alberto Gonzalez out, Senate leaders promise to block any nominee for Attorney General they deem too partisan. We'll discuss the core issues that will drive the confirmation process. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Bush has virtually guaranteed there's going to be a Democratic president in 2008. Some people would beg to differ on that, and uh, that is one of the questions we'll debate tonight on Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Penna Dexter running the show tonight. That was Brown University political science professor Daryl West. He says he doesn't think most people will be happy with President Bush's plan for bringing U.S. troops home from Iraq. Of course, it's going to happen gradually. Five to 6,000 troops coming home by the end of this year in his address to the nation last night. President Bush said that because of the progress made in Iraq, he has decided to accept the recommendations of General David Petraeus. He has recommended that we not replace about 2,200 Marines scheduled to leave Anbar province later this month. In addition, he says it will soon be possible to bring home an Army Combat Brigade for a total force reduction of 5,700 troops by Christmas. And by the end of 2008, we should be back down to the pre-surge level of about 130, 135,000 troops there. Things could change. And as President Bush says, the, the, bringing tr- the return of troops will be based on the success of the troops, the success of the strategy in Iraq. He described that uh, success. He described some of the wonderful things that are taking place and also some of the, uh, the challenges. President Bush says that he has a philosophy for reaching decisions pertaining to the Iraqi war. The principle guiding my decisions on troop levels in Iraq is return on success. The more successful we are, the more American troops can return home. And he says he hopes Congress can agree with this. I think uh, that last night's speech was aimed, of course, at the American people, aimed at Congress, the House and the Senate, but especially at the Republican moderates in Congress, about 10 of them, who he's really got to keep on board with him in order to keep Congress funding the troops without placing a lot of constraints on them. President Bush said he hopes Congress can agree that al-Qaeda must be defeated. Let us come together on a policy of strength in the Middle East. I thank you for providing crucial funds and resources for our military. And I ask you to join me in supporting the recommendations General Petraeus has made and the troop levels he has asked for. 
Certainly leaders from the majority party in Congress oppose this plan. We've already heard from them. Uh, it causes some of us to wonder what they do advocate. President Bush says return on success. Are these folks saying return on surrender? We're going to talk about President Bush's plan and debate its wisdom in just a moment. But also next week, President Bush is set to nominate a new attorney general to replace departing Alberto Gonzalez. And the Democrat leaders, some of them are saying they want a consensus nominee. That means one that is not too partisan. They've made it very clear that they will oppose one particular possibility, that is Ted Olson. We're going to ask what a consensus nominee is means and what the key policies that will be affected by whoever is confirmed to the position of attorney general and are we facing a battle. We're going to talk about all of this with Tim Lee from the Center for Individual Freedom. But now I would like to introduce our guests as we talk about and really debate the president's plan, the president's speech last night and what that means. First of all, Jack Berkman is joining us. Uh, Jack is president of Berkman Associates, LLC, and he's a conservative political co- political consultant and strategist. You'll find that out uh, as he begins to talk about and analyze the speech. Jack, thanks so much for joining us. Anna, good to be with you. How's everything down there? Everything is just great. It's a beautiful day in Dallas. And uh, also with us is our friend, uh, but our, a liberal, not always in agreement with us on things, but we are so happy to have uh, Carl Jeffers with us. He is a Seattle, Washington-based radio host and liberal political analyst, and I don't think we have to really use that uh, label on him because uh, he'll show you where he stands in just a minute. Carl, thanks for joining us. Well, it's great to always visit with you, Hannah, and I must tell you that uh, I'll be joining Hillary Clinton in just a bit, so if I wasn't liberal, I probably will be after that session because she's in Los Angeles today where I am, And uh, but I'm delighted to take time out, and I always really enjoy visiting with you all down there, so uh, I'm, I'm delighted to be here and with Jack again. We've visited together before. Okay, you're going to interview Hillary pretty soon? Not interview. I'm just going to be joining the... The meeting. She's actually doing some work with a community uh, organization and, and some local schools in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area. She just got a recent endorsement from Magic Johnson, the famous mm-hmm. uh, former basketball player. And, and, and in conjunction with that, she's uh, she's in town. Although, in fairness, I should point out that the California Congressional Black Caucus just endorsed uh, Barack Obama. Well, that all is very interesting, but uh, we're going to turn our attention tonight to uh, really the issue that's topmost as an election issue right now, and that is the war in Iraq and the successes and uh, what we do with our troops. Americans are concerned about this issue, and Jack, I want to go to you first and just get your overall impression of the uh, the policy laid out by the president last night. Well, it's a, it's a good policy. I think the Democrats really, where they are is they're kind of overplaying their hand on this pin and that in that the president can easily yank the political rug out from them. I mean, Bush could take 6,000 out in 07, another 30,000 out in, say, April of 08, 30,000 more out in uh, in August of 08, and if Hillary Clinton is the nominee or Barack Obama is the nominee or whomever, one wonders what they will have left to talk about. So I, I think the Democrats, they're in danger of beating a man who's down, and they're overplaying a good hand. And, and they don't, I think they, to win the presidency back, they need to be much more than an anti-war party. But I think because they had so much success with that in 06, they just can't get away with that. They're wedded to it. But I, I just think they're, they're, uh, they're doing too much. They had a lot of success with it in 06. And Carl, I want you to comment because we are seeing their 
far left wing kind of coming out of the woodwork right now and showing their true colors, uh, for instance, with that ad general betray us uh, earlier in the week. In a sense, do they need to pull away from the liberal left of their party? Is that going to hurt them in 08? Well, well, first of all, as uh, Jack started out by saying uh, that when the president is down, so he did acknowledge the president is down, and he's well, down. Well, sure, we all know he's down he's in the down, polls. But he's also down because he's lost a lot of Republican support, and he's entirely lost independents and moderates, and they will still be there for the Democrats in 08. He also said that uh, the president could sort of pull the rug out, by he could take uh, 6,000 down troops back and 30,000 here. If that's the kind of politics we're playing in the war, then I'm one who, up until now, has said that we can't come home right now, and yet I would support that if this is what the president's doing. So I hope Jack will rethink that when he argues that point in the future. As to the actual troop withdrawals and as to the actual position you asked about, I don't agree with what MoveOn.org did, but it's no different from what the far right did, and it's frankly the same kind of thing that we all responded to about the Swift Swift vote ads. But I hope that somehow the candidates will remain independent of that and will condemn that, just as we asked President Bush at that time to condemn what the swift boat uh, people were doing, which he did not do. He said, let's let them, you know, take okay. the so, down. Okay, let's, let's take it. You raise a number of interesting questions. Let me ask you, you say you, you don't support, let me ask you. Okay, let Jack go ahead and speak. Let Jack go ahead and answer that. If you take, Carl, if you take the group, because the general betrayers ad is, in fact, in my mind, anti-American. That, however, does not change the fact that last night the president did not announce a new plan and that, in fact, we will be looking at next night. Okay, first of all, both of you, let me let me just set the stage here a second. If what you say is that you don't support an immediate precipitous withdrawal, and yet you don't support what the president's doing, what that means is you support some middle ground in terms of a number for withdrawing troops. And so I ask you, what is that number? If you were president, how many would you take out right now? Now, you see, Jack, that just shows the, the real fallacy with Republican conservative thinking, because you wanted to redefine my comment to make it work for you, and right now nothing's working for you. And by the you way, said, you, but said wait that a minute. you said you don't support what the president is doing, the Democrats you don't support didn't have a total war. withdrawal, well, so what do you have? support? The Democrats will have ten other issues other than the war if they didn't have the war, so you still have a lot of problems. But I support absolutely ending the war, providing benchmarks and timetables. What I'm saying to you is if the president decided well, today give me a number, that the Carl. troops are I mean, coming you're home, theory we could get them but home for at least six to eight months. Okay, let's uh, let's go to another uh, response by the Democrats, because I think this is an area where we are hearing critique of the president's plan, of his speech last night. This is the Democrat response from Senator Jack Reed of Rhode Island, and he said that President Bush hasn't provided a plan to end the war. That's what a lot of folks are asking for. They want to see the war ended, and they want that plan projected right now. Let's go to him. The president rightfully invoked the valor of our troops in his speech, but his plan does not amount to real change. Soldiers take a solemn oath to protect our nation, and we have a solemn responsibility to send them into battle only with clear and achievable missions. Tonight, the president provided neither. Jack Berkman, would you respond to that response? I just think it's it's along the lines of what Carl is arguing, and I think all of it is silly. They're calling for change. They're calling for a new strategy. They say they don't like what the president is doing. Then in the same breath, they also say, well, we certainly don't support total withdrawal because that would lead to chaos and that would place our troops in danger, which is true. So then I come back to them and I say, okay, let's leave theory off the table. What kind of new plan? You're the President of the United States. You, Carl, or you, uh, Jack Reed, are sitting in the Oval Office. 
what kind of new plan do you, in fact, want? How, you're sitting there right now as of September 1st, 2007. How many troops do you pull out? What changes do you make? And they can't answer that question. They go out, you know, Carl will race on with 10 other issues, and Jack Reed will start talking about other things. You can ask these guys this question all night long, and you won't get an answer. Carl? Well, Jack did exactly what I could have prescribed as the response and what I've been warning Democrats sure, not to let Republicans and conservatives get away with now. When you ask about, as Henna, you did, I asked Jack to comment specifically on what the president's plan is and how Jack Reed was responding to it. He tried to change the topic and make it as if it's the Democrats' responsibility now to have a plan that could successfully be persuaded to the American people that that's the plan of the work. Well, Carl, uh-huh. in a sense, you when you could, wait a minute, Carl, hold on. Let me ask you this. Carl, when the... When the Democrats critique a plan by the president, they have a responsibility to lay out something better. These are United States senators who are cutting the could be cutting the legs out from under our military with adding some uh, some real restrictions on funding in the next vote. So in a sense, if they don't like what's out there, they need to have a plan. Well, number one, they're not going to add real restrictions on the funding in the next vote. That's not there yet. That may come by next summer. But I think the president may the have vote. gone a long number way to two, preventing that last night. That's just not going to happen. Number two, it is in fact not the responsibility at this point of the Democrats to accept the burden of the plan when it's still the president's responsibility to end the war. And what is clear from last night is the president does not have a plan to end the war, not because he can't come up with it, not because he doesn't have the competence. That would be a ruse to charge that. He doesn't want one. The president's position was clear all along. If the surge fails, we stay. If the surge succeeds, we stay. Either way, we stay. And now he acknowledges that it's going to be the president after him who will, in fact, draw down the troops. What is becoming unacceptable to many Republicans is that the president's schedule, as outlined last night, doesn't bring us down to any substantial level before next November elections. And I can tell Jack, who said it was silly, that he'll be feeling a lot more sillier if next November, if the voters are going to the polls and with the mood of the country now, if there's still 130,000 troops in Iraq and the president is turning it over to the next president, it will not be a Republican president who will have the opportunity to decide. Okay, our guests are Carl Jeffers and Jack Berkman. We will continue to uh, talk about this and we'll try to regain control and maintain control of the debate. Uh, a couple of things, though. This could become a second-tier issue in the next debate if we succeed. I think that's what the president is hoping. I think he will draw down the troops faster than he said if there's success. If there's not, we've got to stay. And uh, later in the segment, we will take your calls. We want to also know what you thought about the president's plan and the president's speech. All that next on Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. 
That's chriswill.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Tough work lies ahead. But the evidence from a theater of war 6,000 miles away is beyond question. The troop surge has achieved solid results and in a relatively short period of time. Uh, A piece on Real Clear Politics today by Charles Krauthammer said that uh, David Petraeus, when he was uh, testifying before the Senate, kind of made a slip that shows where he's coming from. He told Senator Joe Biden of the Foreign Relations Committee that he'd be consulting with British colleagues in London on his way back home. That word home means that uh, basically Iraq is his home right now. That's where he's on his third tour of duty. And uh, he is immersed in the war over there. He came over here to tell us about the progress, to tell us about the challenges that we still face, and to make a recommendation. President Bush took him up on it, and he announced our policy. Uh, Coming up by the end of this year, we'll pull about 6,000 troops from Iraq, watch the situation, and perhaps next spring pull another twenty or 25,000 troops. And uh, he said that he is going to base his return of troops upon success in Iraq. Vice President Cheney also made another very clear point. Uh, We have to remember that there has not been another attack on the homeland since 9-11. That's six years. He said 9-11 did change the world, also changed the U.S. military posture. After a day like that, our choices are not pleasant, and they are not easy, but they are clear. And the first thing we had to understand was that on 9-11, America was not merely a victim of a crime. We were a sovereign nation under attack. We've talked about the speech last night. President Bush is making the same points today, speaking to reporters after having lunch with the troops at Quantico Marine Base in Virginia. He said, there's been enough progress in Iraq that we can begin rolling back the surge. I told him that I'd listen very carefully to the recommendations of the military, in particular General Petraeus, and that the plan I announced was that uh, we're making enough, based upon the fact we're making enough success in Iraq that we can begin bringing some troops home. President Bush uh, said he told the troops that America still can't abandon this vital mission in Iraq. I made it clear that the sacrifices that they and their families were going to make were necessary for the short-term and long-term security of the country. That we'd rather defeat the enemy overseas than have to face them here. One of the things the president did not do last night was lay out what we would leave if we withdrew very quickly from Iraq. And I think uh, our two guests might want to address that. One is Jack Berkman, and Jack Berkman is uh, president of Berkman Associates, LLC. Also with us is Carl Jeffers. He is a radio host in Seattle, Washington. He's in uh, Los Angeles to attend an event with Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I'm going to go to uh, you first, Jack. Uh, to talk about what you think would be the result if we left immediately or fairly quickly uh, if we pulled our troops from Iraq. Oh, you'd have a disaster on all fronts. You'd have the Iranians come in. You'd have the Turks come in. You'd have probably the Turks would massacre the Kurds. Uh, you'd have, you would have bloodshed. You'd have several million people dead. You would probably have a third of the, the American force killed on the way out trying to keep order trying to protect itself and trying to protect women and children on the way out the door. You'd have a global catastrophe that would approach genocide. But, I mean, I would say this, Anna, your point, I think your point is a good one. I remember when Homeland Security was created, talking about how 
you know, the best defense is a good offense. And I'd throw this out to Carl and to all of the liberals. I remember when DHS was created, the Democrats stood up and they said, well, we really don't want this thing, this homeland security, to be created. But we're going to hold you, you Tom Ridge and you George Bush and you Dick Cheney and you Alberto Gonzalez, we're going to hold all of you strictly accountable for results in terms of no new attacks on the homeland. And it's pretty well. New attacks on the homeland. So there have been no new attacks. It's been six plus years. So I say to a guy like Carl, Carl, do you give the president success? Do you give the president credit for, for the success? Carl? Well, first of all, I, that's a wonderful question because, again, it's devious. The fact is is that we all give credit for the fact that we have not been uh, attacked since 9-11. And I'm willing to absolutely and enthusiastically concede that we are safer than we were before 9-11. The problem is is that being in Iraq is not what has made us safer. It is what steps we've taken here at home. And the reality is every single time we thwart a new terrorist attack since 9-11, it has never been, not once, Iraqis. It is always Jordanians, Syrians, Pakistanis, native homegrown Germans, British nationals. It's never Iraqis. Why? Because the people we are fighting over there are not the people who want to come over here, and we never would have had to fight them over here. We went over there to a country that, in fact, their dictator, Saddam Hussein, didn't allow sectarian violence because he was, in fact, a secular ruler. So to the extent that we had him boxed in, in a no-fly zone that was working, we could have concentrated on Osama bin Laden and the people that we do have have to fight, and not the people in Iraq, which we now have opened up all of these things that Jack is talking about, the possibility of the Kurds coming in, Iranian uh, influence. That is all a result of our uh, going into Iraq, not on its natural evolution. And the other thing is, is that... So, Carl, Carl, would your response to 9-11 have been just simply go to Afghanistan, clear out al-Qaeda from Afghanistan, and then just leave the Middle East? Well, we, well, no one would have left the Middle East, but here's what would have happened had we concentrated on Osama bin Laden, where we had him captured almost up in Bor Bor, and then really did a complete job in cleaning out Afghanistan. And by the way, uh, Peter, uh, Prime Minister Karzai only controls about 15-mile radius around Kabul in Afghanistan. Who controls the rest? The warlords, who are probably the ones that are hiding Osama bin Laden and who have been the result of a, the largest opium crop that they have had in years. So this is the kind of thing that we've had. But in, in addition to that, if we had done that, the rest of the world community would have waited with us because if we had let the inspectors do their job, they were on the ground in Iraq, they would have proven that there were no weapons of mass destruction, and then we would not have had those reasons. Iraq, uh, Iraq confi- uh, Saddam Hussein refused to comply with, what was it, 1618 UN, UN resolutions? resolutions? And if you want to blame it on the UN, then that means they're UN resolutions. Blaming it on Saddam Hussein. To what to do about okay, Jack, us. I want to ask you a question uh, okay. because uh, with regard to the future on this. It it is very possible. We saw this last night uh, in the speech that President Bush is looking to the future. He's setting the stage for what will happen after he leaves, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. Iraq will still be an issue. It may be a smaller issue if there's a, a lot of success in the next year and some of our troops you know, a greater number of our troops are pulled. It may be a, still a big issue for the next president to handle. If the Democrats end up in office and they pull the troops pre- precipitously and there is a quagmire, is there, there's just a sort of a, an explosion there in the Middle East, then, you know, everybody will then see that they've been wrong all along, won't they? Oh, sure. And it would be a political disaster. But I think what you would see is if you have Hillary or Barack or Edwards in the chair, once they get in the chair and once they get the intel reports, they'll quickly see that they're in the same position as Bush. They'll become realistic. And they can't get out. And they can only make small withdrawals because they won't want to have a genocide on their hands either. 
At least I sure hope they wouldn't. So what you will see, I actually think if you've got a Hillary or a Barack, once they get smart and they start getting educated and start getting real intel reports and start becoming leaders as opposed to what they are now, which is just pundits, they would quickly see that they would they would feel the same way George Bush feels, and that is whatever you think about the, the origins of the war, whatever you think about the propriety of going in there, uh, that, there, that you cannot have a precipitous withdrawal, that there might be a way to shave some troops around the edges, but that we, we have a multi-year commitment to Iraq uh, because there's just no choice now. Carl? Just jump in very quickly, and I'll make this brief. I want to join hands with Jack here, and I appreciate uh, he and I are together on the same page in accepting the inevitability of Hillary or Barack, and we'll just take our chances on which direction they take as a result of, as he says, seeing the light. We just want to make I don't know if they're inevitable. They're in there, as long as it's not the direction we've been going the last six years, I think we're in pretty good shape. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you'd like to join our conversation, give us a call, 800-881-9270. I want to thank both of my guests, uh, Jack Berkman and Carl Jeffers. Jack, you have a final comment. Well, I, I, would, I would just say I'd still like to get hit. Penny. You see how the president, the talking points are written either way. You see, they, I, I asked the question, do you give credit for no new attacks on the homeland? The answer is basically no. But at the same time, we know had there been one or two or three more attacks on the homeland, George Bush would have gotten blamed for that. So it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. The president lives in Catch-22, and uh, I, don't, I don't see what he can do about it. That's what comes from being a leader. Jack Berkman, thanks for joining us. Carl, a final you. comment. Well, first of all, I would only say again that, again, Jack misread it deliberately so because it helps his case. I never said that he, that he didn't get credit. I said he does get credit for making us safer. Which yeah, you did that say that. does not come from being in Iraq, and that's the key to the misunderstanding that is going to propel a Democrat into the White House because Republican conservatives continue to lay themselves in the, 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 the tired kind of rhetoric of the past, like what Dick Cheney said, and the majority of the American people know full well that the direction we're going in Iraq is not positive, it's not productive, and I don't think they know that. President's schedule, we could be there forever, and that's not what they want. Carl Jeffers, thank you so much for joining us. I think we have to uh, recognize success when it's there. Also recognize that there is a lot of challenge and uh, that we face. We need to continue to do it. Uh, And considering not always politics, sometimes just considering what's right and uh, national security. Let's go to Pam in Irving. Pam, thanks for joining us. Yes. How are you doing? Thank you for taking the call. (laughs) I was just calling to see. I have a question. If what are the Democrats prepared to do if we do have another 9-11, because that could be possible with pulling the troops out. Um, the second thing is whatever happened to um, tracking down and taking care of Osama, Osama bin Laden? Uh, they're working on it. In fact, Newsweek had an entire huge story on it a couple of weeks ago, talking about the challenges of doing so, having to do with the terrain, the people around him. Also, the failed attempt that Carl Jeffers did mention at Tora Bora, where we came very close to getting him. Of course, the troops are still trying to do that. Uh, there are special forces in there attempting that, and uh, wouldn't that be a great success if that could happen soon. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for bearing with the debate and the craziness, and uh, we certainly didn't resolve anything today, but it is good to talk about uh, what the president is saying, what our policies are going to be. Uh, They say, the critics say there's no political solution, but we have to remember there have been actually three elections, uh, and we also see al-Maliki, the uh, leader there, actually allowing Sunni tribal leaders to be armed and also allowing uh, us to go after the radical Shiite leaders. There is some progress being made politically in addition to this military progress. Ladies and gentlemen, next up we're going to talk about the nomination for Attorney General 
Do we need a consensus nominee or someone the president can really trust? You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Here are some facts with regard to uh, what's happened in Iraq. First of all, the military objectives of the surge are in large measure being met, and I don't think either of our guests would disagree with that. Uh, Also, coalition and Iraqi forces have dealt significant blows to al-Qaeda in Iraq. They've taken away a number of their sanctuaries. President Bush described that last night, and they've gained the initiative in many areas. And uh, the Sunnis are now cooperating with U.S. and Iraqi forces in some areas against al-Qaeda, and that is huge. Also, the most significant development in the past six months has been the emergence of tribes and local citizens, as I said, rejecting al-Qaeda and some of these other extremists in Anbar province and in some other places. President Bush spent a lot of time on that last night. Also, Iraqi security forces have continued to grow. They're developing their capabilities. They're shouldering more of the burden of providing security for their country. And President Bush did mention last night that that is his plan, to have that continue to reverse the situation so that the United States troops are providing somewhat of a support system rather than uh, being the primary forces there. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm no military expert, but I did take a class in military strategy in college. Well, ladies and gentlemen, President Bush will nominate a candidate for attorney general to replace Alberto Gonzalez, possibly even coming up this next week. Of course, the focus has been on the nominee. Uh, We've seen that uh, some of the nominees may even be borked because they are too partisan for the leaders in uh, the majority leaders in the Senate. Uh, So that may happen. And there are lots of issues that are at stake here. With us to discuss this is Tim Lee. He is Director of Legal and Public Affairs with the Center for Individual Freedom. Tim, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I apologize for the background noise if I'm on a train station right now. Where are you headed? Where are you headed, Tim? I'm heading up to Philadelphia this weekend. Actually, uh, we have a celebration of the Constitution's anniversary, so uh, every good American should be respecting that, and so I'm going <laughs> to do my part. I think Monday is uh, deemed Constitution Day, and that's exciting. I want to ask you, uh, Tim, it seems like the Democrats in Congress are trying to choose President Bush's attorney general, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I don't know when Harry Reid thought that he was appointed uh, president uh, as the Wall Street Journal noted uh, the other day, but uh, it's not within his prerogative to name whom uh, George Bush will nominate. It's purely an executive decision, and uh, it's certainly subject to the consent of the Senate, but they're not the ones who get to nominate. And, you know, when you hear them say that they're looking for a consensus candidate, the mind boggles at that as well, because the uh, type of consensus that they're looking for is somebody like Janet Reno. So it's it's pretty ridiculous. Their consensus. He knows it, but he's going to just you know, laugh at the face of the American people and suggest that he somehow has the power to assist in this nomination. It's a farce. All right. Uh, Ted Olson has been one name that's been floated. He is now Solicitor General. Uh, Ted Olson has uh, got some uh, issues surrounding him in that he argued the election case before the Supreme Court in 2000. The Democrats hate that. Uh, So they're really borking him, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they will try to uh, bork Ted Olson, and Ted Olson is one of the foremost attorneys in the entire country. 
Uh, and this is just shameful. Uh, you know, the term borking itself, uh, Judge Bork was one of the greatest jurists in the entire country, uh, and he was just disgustingly slurred. Um, Ted Kennedy in particular uh, really leveled some unfair accusations. No surprise, because Ted Kennedy, frankly, is somebody who... Uh, uh, I'm not sure how he shows his face in public personally, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. my opinion. But for him to, to level those accusations against a man like Robert Bork was disgusting. And for some of the accusations that have been leveled against uh, Ted Olson, who is just an extremely talented and very well-respected uh, attorney on both sides of the aisle. Um, people on the left recognize that he's a man of great integrity, and for them to launch this sort of campaign just shows the, the type of people that they are. Uh, who else would be someone that conservatives could be happy about as a nominee? Well, I know that one of the names floated was Orrin Hatch. We'd certainly hate to lose him on the Senate side, but uh, he's, he's a person that a lot of people would respect. I know Paul Clement, the person who's going to be acting attorney general, is an extremely well-respected person as well. Uh, very technically adept, but also familiar with... Uh, a lot of the overarching idealistic and legal issues that, uh, that would concern the Attorney General. So he'd be excellent as well. There are any number of great, great people out there, um, but those are some of the names that, that would be just excellent. You are listening to Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Penna Dexter, uh, guest hosting tonight. And uh, with me is Tim Lee. He is with the Center for Individual Freedom. Tim, tell us about the Center. Well, Center for Individual Freedom, uh, as name implies, suggests uh, greater degrees of, of uh, freedom from government intrusion, whether it's on the economic sphere. We certainly favor lower taxes uh, and rest, less regulation of the free market. Uh, but we also stand up for constitutional rights. For instance, we were one of the plaintiffs against McCain-Feingold, and we've worked very, very hard in several states uh, to have that overturned. Um, and we generally just uh, are out there trying to protect the constitutional rights of everyday American citizens and work for free market principles. Uh, and we work at the legislative and judicial and executive levels, uh, both at the federal, state, and, and local levels as well. We've been talking tonight, of course, about the president's speech last night. And also, it's just undeniable this week to think about the fact that we haven't had any attacks on U.S. soil since 9-11. We've had right. many thwarted, though, and the attorney general is uh, instrumental in preventing that. He leads the Justice Department. So that's a real issue that will be faced by the next attorney general, and that's why it's important that President Bush have someone that he really trusts, isn't it? Uh, well, absolutely, and it's, it's essential that people recognize that this threat still exists out there and that some of the things that a lot of people um, just mysteriously uh, get paranoid about, you know, Dick Cheney listening to me calling and ordering a pizza on my cell phone. I mean, these are the sorts of <laughs> tools, these eavesdropping tools that are going to stop terrorist attacks. And I think people are starting to get a little bit complacent out there and think that uh, that we have this threat under control. We don't. We need these tools to, uh, to break that threat. Um, and we're going to need an attorney general who helps enforce them. So, you know, a lot of Americans out there need to remain vigilant on this because laziness is precisely what led to 9-11. We can't let it happen again. What are the other issues? I mean, I'm thinking uh, immigration has been a big debate, and certainly the Attorney General's office has a lot to do with enforcing our immigration laws. Sure. Yeah, immigration is one of the major issues uh, in shaping legislation that uh, can hopefully get a lot of those issues resolved, uh, protecting the border and, and coming up with a plan that, uh, that allows people to follow the rules and become uh, legal immigrants, which uh, every American should favor. Uh, but at the same time, not allowing law-breaking, because we, we really can't tolerate that. We're a nation of laws, and, 
and we've got to respect that. So we welcome immigrants who do it the legal way because they contribute to American society. And frankly, uh, a lot of immigrants are better Americans than a lot of Americans because they respect what America provides them because they've come from places uh, that don't have the freedom that we have and the opportunities that we have. So, uh, you know, nobody's against immigration uh, legally. But uh, we need to have somebody in there who's going to enforce the laws and, and protect the borders. And so we can, we can meet both, uh, both needs, I think, fairly, but we can't be caving in um, you know, to this desire to just placate the left on it. Uh, that's not going to work as well. But that's one of the issues, obviously, immigration. We've also um, you know, got a lot of issues. I, I, I think you're referring specifically to the attorney general, yes. not politics generally. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly one of them. Uh, the executive power, uh, obviously in a time of war, the executive has to have a little bit more concentration of power than the legislature uh, because you need decisive action. And so that's going to be one of the issues as well, as you probably know, uh, an attorney general who is willing to, to be strong in, in exercising executive Well, in one sense, isn't that why uh, Gonzalez is no longer in the position? Because uh, folks saw that he was an advocate of executive power, increasing that power during a time of war on terror. And that's why it worries me that there just may be a huge battle over almost anyone. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, and you're right. No matter whom uh, President Bush nominates, they're going to try to make... Uh, they're going to slur the person's name. I mean, look at General Petraeus. He was slurred as General Betraeus by the left. It shows the degree to which they're willing to just tarnish good men's names uh, to get their partisan political purposes achieved. And they're going to do the same thing towards whoever's nominated uh, for this position. And, and we've got to be ready for it. And frankly, we've got to fight. There's really no time to be discouraged. I know that a lot of people are, are sometimes down right now politically because, um, you know, some of the poor decisions that have been made and and it's easy to get discouraged, but this is precisely the time we need to keep up the fight. Well, Attorney General Ashcroft faced a lot of opposition when he was nominated uh, mm-hmm. as President Bush's first Attorney General. Gonzalez did. I think we've got to look back, though. One of the arguing points could be look at uh, the fact that JFK had his 35-year-old brother with very little experience <laughs> as his Attorney General. I mean, presidents yeah. get to pick who they want to pick, don't they? Yeah, it's kind of interesting that uh, a lot of the people on the left have uh, no retrospective complaint against that, but they're going to accuse Bush of nominating a crony of some sort. And, and that's a great example that you raised with, with Bobby Kennedy going in, and he certainly used it for partisan uh, political purposes uh, to a great degree. Um, you know, whereas somebody like Ted Olson won't. Uh, he's a man of great honor, and people on both sides of the aisles, I said earlier, respect Ted Olson and and if he's the nominee, he's going to be a fantastic attorney general. Tim, uh, before I let you go, who uh, who would you like to see as the nominee in the Republican Party? <laughs> well, I'll agree to answer this as long as you understand that I speak for myself. For yourself personally. personally. Not, yeah, because uh, the Center for Individual Freedom is, is not a nonpartisan group. I personally right now favor Rudy Giuliani. I'm, I have a lot of concerns about some of his views on guns and and federal funding of abortion and things of that sort. But on the other hand, I think that he's clearly the strongest person in terms of fighting terrorism uh, and asserting America's muscle worldwide. I mean, if he can get rid of the squeegee men in New York City and clean up what was one of the most dangerous cities in the world and made it now literally the safest major city in the country, um, I think that he can buckle the Iranians and the North Koreans and the Europeans. So, Okay, <laughs> Tim Lee. Thank you so much for joining us. Tim is with the Center for Individual Freedom. He wants Rudy at the top of the ticket. Uh, Of course, Rudy Giuliani doesn't think that uh, illegal immigrants are doing anything illegal. 
in this country. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up, Hillary Clinton says that she's going to unveil her health care plan soon. It's going to be somewhere in between Obama's plan and uh, Edward's plan. We're going to talk about a, uh, a little part of this that concerns me right after this. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. But today you are testifying about the current status of our policy in Iraq and the prospects of, of that policy. It is a policy that you have been ordered to implement by the president and you have been made the de facto spokesman for what uh, many of us believe to be a failed policy. Despite what I view as your rather extraordinary efforts and your testimony both yesterday and today, uh, I think that um, uh, the reports that you provide to us really require the willing suspension of disbelief. That's Hillary Clinton earlier this week in the hearings on Capitol Hill, and uh, she was basically questioning the general, General Petraeus, and also Ambassador uh, Crocker. She was essentially calling them liars, and uh, boy, it was presumptuous to hear that. If you have a comment, I know that we haven't taken your calls. We can't open up the phones when we have two guests uh, at the same time. So uh, if you'd like to weigh in on either the president's speech or this questioning by the Democrats of the general's assessment on the war. We'd love to hear from you at 800-881-9270. Next week, Hillary Clinton will unveil her plan for health care. And as I said earlier, it's going to be somewhere in between Obama's plan and Edwards' far more aggressive plan. And uh, she's, of course, had some experience with this before. She says she's learned from her mistakes. But uh, we've got to ask the question, what is going to happen to our first-class health care system if we adopt government-paid universal health care? Here's Hillary Clinton on health care. One of the goals that I will be presenting is health insurance for every child and universal health care for every American. That will be you know, a very major part of my campaign. So she does want universal health care. Now, I'm sure she's going to have a complicated plan with a lot of nuances because that's just kind of the way she does things policy-wise. Uh, but I think when um, we look at some of our health care that we have in this country, we're really known around the world for a health care system that is the best in the world. And uh, 
what will happen to that when we start to pay for everybody's health care? That is going to be a question. That actually was dealt with in the Wall Street Journal today, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But right now, Dr. Johnson uh, is on the line. Dr. Johnson, I know you want to weigh in on all of this. <laughs> well, Penna, I just wanted to say I think Hillary Clinton has reached a new low. I think this is really going to hurt her with military families, conservative voters across the board. In essence, she said to General Petraeus, you know, you're lying. You are cooking the books. In essence, she was agreeing with MoveOn.org. And I think, you know, that's going to cost her later on in the election. Well, I agree with you. I think, you know, we look at what she She's so blatant and so, uh, in a sense, uh, I don't know, smug (laughs) in questioning the military opinions of a general. And I think, in a sense, that, you know, I think people see that and they just think it's ridiculous. I mean, it's not good uh, politics for someone that's running for president. Hey, Penna, I want to ask our listeners to be watching the news over the weekend and then tune in next week because there are a couple of stories developing uh, a lot of talk about Iran right now mm-hmm. and that negotiations are over with Iran. I've been reading about this, particularly the Germans have pulled out of any kind of sanctions regime. And what that means, everyone is saying, what that means is there's going to be military action against Iran. And we're already planning um, to bomb Iran. So, I mean, that's going to be a, a developing story that I think people are going to be wanting to pray about and to tune in next week to see what's going to happen. It's kind of interesting because the Democrats who have uh, criticized President Bush's speech last night and his new policy have said, no, we need to continue on a diplomatic uh, uh, train of action. And in a sense, we have. We've begun speaking with Iran, and it just hasn't worked. And another story folks need to be listening for next week, Newt Gingrich is having his conference this month. And he is still waiting in the shadows, and he's giving signals this week that he still might enter the presidential race. Hmm. And, uh, and then there's a funny sidelight to this, I think, or an interesting development. He is listing now Mike Huckabee in the top tier of potential presidential candidates. And I think Newt is a very astute strategist, and I think that's a very interesting development for Mike Huckabee now to be considered Uh, breaking into the top rank of uh, Republican contenders. We need to be watching that, too. Well, we do. And, you know, Mike, you mentioned earlier in the week uh, the idea of a debate between Mike Huckabee and Fred Thompson. And I think that would would move Mike Huckabee up uh, in the eyes of the American public, those on the conservative side, because he does well in a debate. It would, but I don't think Thompson will go for it. I think Thompson will say, I was talking about Democrats. I'll debate Hillary. I'll fight Obama. <laughs> but Thompson has a lot to lose, and uh, Huckabee a lot to gain by that debate, and I just don't think that's going to happen. One other thing folks should tune in Monday for, Brother Andrew, a famous uh, Bible smuggler and witness, is going to be on the program, and I think that's going to be an exciting program folks don't want to miss on Monday. Dr. Jerry Johnson, uh, thanks for uh, calling in. It was really uh, loved hearing from you, and uh, you'll be back in the saddle on Monday. So I'll see you then.
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that will be a great show. Also, Ravi Zacharias will be joining us on Monday, so we can't wait for all of that. I just want to mention very quickly, I'm going to uh, go through this later on a future program because in the Wall Street Journal today, uh, really they asked the question having to do with cancer cures, uh, why you would rather get sick here than in any other country. And it talks about how the uh, cure rate and the accessibility to cancer treatment is so much better in our country than anywhere else, and especially Great Britain, where people wait in line. Uh, There's a story of one lady who waited four months, and she actually went to uh, her member of parliament to complain about this, and it became a high-profile case for a cancer uh, treatment, for her radiation treatment. She waited four months after she was diagnosed. And this happens all the time under universal health care. So it's something that we really don't want to see in this country. And I think it brings us, uh, when we put a spiritual type of application on this, to think about uh, in countries like the United States of of America, we do think about these material and worldly things. We think about what's best for our health. We think about what's best for our national security. We think about the ways in which we can make life better for people and give them more freedom. And those things are the role of the government. That's what government is placed on the earth to do, not placed on the earth to provide everything for everybody, but to secure our security, to keep people safe, and to protect them And then people have to look to the Lord for the things in life that are spiritual. For eternal life, you need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know, and as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. Join us Monday for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.